go. Welcome, welcome. So grateful that you are here. Those of you joining us here in the sanctuary and those of you joining us at home, we welcome you in the name of the Lord. Uh, how many of you guys like tests? Okay. Do you prefer tests that are multiple choice or essay? Okay, so you guys are all together in this. I can tell. Um, when I was young, I would have preferred multiple choice because then it was just basically um, memorization and details against the test. Could I remember the facts? Um, the other thing that was nice about multiple choice is if you really didn't know, you could always guess and you had a good chance of getting it right at least. Uh, these days, I would probably prefer uh, uh, writing a paper because I would figure that though I might not know much about the subject, if you write enough and you use enough big words, sometimes you can snow the teacher into thinking you actually know what you're talking about. So um, I was thinking this week, though, uh, I spent a little bit of time in uh, reading some Facebook posts that you guys put down, some of you. Uh, I was thinking that in reality, life itself is a test. And sometimes you don't know that you're taking the test until much later. And then you find out that you've actually been taking the test every day of your life. And for most of us, we failed already. Um, what I wanted to do this morning is to take the theme that we've been looking at over all of these weeks, which is the theme of the grace of God. I want to still look at the grace of God, but I want to go at it from a different angle because of this Christmas season in which we find ourselves. So I'm going to be looking at several scriptures. If you have Bibles, you can turn there. If not, they will be up on the screen for you. The first is John chapter 1 and verse 29. And again, the, the theme of today is, did you pass your test? That's the theme of today. Did you pass your test? So John 1.29 says this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Then up in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 26. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's, for this he did once for all when he offered up himself. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but in the Old Testament, there was this group of people who were called priests. And the priest's job was to actually offer sacrifices on an altar on a daily basis. In fact, uh, Exodus chapter 29 tells us this. Now this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs of the first year, day by day. Now, did you realize that? Did you know that the priests were offering sacrifices every single day? Not just on Sundays. Every single day, day by day continually, one lamb you shall offer in the morning and the other lamb you shall offer at night. For hundreds of years, they had to offer two lambs. One in the morning to cover any sins that you might have committed during the night and then one at night to cover any sins that you committed during the day. Every single day, two lambs were offered as a sacrifice on the altar 
for sins that were committed. So my question to you this morning is, did you already offer your lamb? Did you offer your lamb this morning? Now, you might say that that's kind of ridiculous. We don't do that anymore. But I want to suggest to you that in a very real way, many of us offer sacrifices every single day. Um, Many Christians feel like the only way they can feel good about their relationship with God is by whether or not they, they have done good that day. And so they offer sacrifices. They do good things, you know, good deeds. You know, maybe it's to help an old person across the road safely, or, or, or maybe it's that you didn't yell at the cashier because she didn't get it right. Whatever it is, we feel like it's our performance that leads us into a place of safety and security with God. And this whole idea of performance can be a tricky thing. For example, were you ever told, as I was, that if Jesus were to return suddenly and you had not asked forgiveness, if you had not confessed your sin in that moment, you would not be allowed into heaven? Were you ever told that? All my growing up years, I was told that If Jesus were to come back right now, have you confessed all your sins? Because if not, you're going to hell. And in effect, what we did was that we made confession a performance work. In other words, we said unconfessed sins are unforgiven sins. And we made confession a work that we had to do in order to appease God. Um, have you ever been told, as I was, that you had to detail your sins when you confessed them? In other words, generalized confession didn't mean anything. You couldn't say, God forgive me for everything I've ever done wrong. That wasn't acceptable. You had to confess in detail every sin in order to get forgiveness for those sins. So, one of the Sunday school teachers would give us a tablet that we would put with our Bible so that when we sinned, we could jot it down so that that night when we confessed, we could be precise. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done this. Have you ever done this where you said to God, God, forgive me for the sins which I'm about to commit? You used to do that when we were kids. You know, you're getting ready to get in a fight with a guy. And you tell him, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, just a minute. I've got to kneel here and I've got to ask God forgiveness for what I'm about to do to you. All of that, whether you understand it or not, is you offering your lambs. It's you doing penance for your own sin. It's you making sacrifice. Now, do I believe in confession of sins? Yes, absolutely I do. But I believe that confession is more about us aligning ourselves with God's grace and our desperate need for God than it is about us earning our salvation somehow by making that confession. The believer, for the believer, confession is about putting ourselves in a place where we know that we need a Savior, where we need Jesus. It's not like God doesn't know what you do already. You're not surprising Him. You're not hiding it behind your back and then saying, all right, God, I did it. God already knows. It's about us recognizing we desperately need help from God. We read earlier that they had to offer two lambs to God every single day, morning and night. I want to talk to you this morning very briefly three things about those lambs. Just three things. Number one, the lamb was provided. The lamb was provided by God. Genesis 22, 
verse 7 says this. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, here's the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide. Say that. God will provide for Himself the lamb for a burnt offering. God will provide. Think about it. That's the answer to almost any question that we can ask. You're having problems in your marriage. What's the answer? God will provide for you. God will make a way for you. You're having a problem relationally with someone. What's the answer? God will provide. You're having financial struggles. God will provide. Whatever the issue is, ultimately the answer is God. God Himself who said, I will provide for you the Lamb. Now, if you think about it, did God provide that for Abraham? Yes and no. Because what God did in that day was provided a ram. A ram that was caught in the thicket. He provided a ram for Abraham. Because remember, what Abraham did was Abraham took his son and he tied him up and he placed him on some wood and he raised his hand to slay his own son. And God stopped him. And God provided a sacrifice in Isaac's place. But thousands of years later, God took his own son. And on that same mountain, because remember, Abraham offered Isaac on Mount Moriah. It was on that same mountain chain, and most commentators believe it was the exact same mountain that Calvary rested upon. God took his son and tied him up and placed him upon a wooden cross. And he raised his hand and he sacrificed his own son for you. God will provide. God's promise is that he will provide everything we have need of. Yes, in terms of our sins, but also in terms of our life struggles. The things that we just go through personally. Our tendency is to try to find a way ourselves. We tend to be like, um, pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, I don't need charity from anyone kind of people. I can do it myself. But there's got to come a point if you really want to understand something about the grace of God where you realize it's God alone who can save you. God alone who can cause His grace to intervene and rescue you. Did He provide a lamb? Yes, He did in the person of His Son. We tend to think, by the way, that our biggest problem is sin. But I want to suggest to you that's not our problem at all. The sin problem was dealt with 2,000 years ago on a cross, on Calvary. Our problem is to experience the grace of God that He has for us. Does that mean that we don't have room for change? Yeah, we all need to change. But it's God's grace that changes us from the inside out. God's not looking to point out your every fault. He was aware of it before He came to you. His purpose is to see you changed from glory to glory into His image. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it easy. In fact, I find it easier to be aware of other people's faults than their good parts. So like, for example, um, if somebody's standing up here speaking and they use the wrong word, you know, they, they're trying to sound really smart and they use a word that's a big word but it doesn't mean what they think it means, something inside of me cringes. 
Or maybe they say, ah, a lot. Trying to think of the next thing they're going to say. Inside, I react. I try not to react facially, but when the worship team is singing and somebody sings a really flat note, I have to make my face not react. Because I find it easier to see what's wrong. And the sad thing, and even worse, because it's the foundation of all my other judgmentalism, is that I find it easier to find my own faults than anything good about me. I find it easier to be aware of all the stuff that I do wrong. And in that moment, I agree with the voice of the enemy himself, who is called the accuser of the brethren, instead of that which God has done in me. All too often, we try to fix ourselves. We're like Adam and Eve. Remember, when Adam and Eve fell in their sin, what did they do? The Scripture says they took fig leaves and sewed them together in order to cover themselves, and they hid from God. And isn't that really what we do? When something's not going right, we tend to hide from people. I, I, I can't be around people right now. I'm struggling with something. And we tend to hide from God as if somehow we can fix ourselves. Adam and Eve learned what we need to learn, as did Abraham, as did people throughout all of the generations. God will provide a lamb for us. The second thing about this lamb is it was a pure lamb. Number two, the lamb was pure. Exodus 12.5 says, Your lamb shall be without blemish. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. And then Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 5-7, Therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Everything in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament called for a pure lamb. And everything was pointing ahead to the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. That Exodus scripture I read to you back in chapter 12, verse 5 of Exodus was the first instruction leading up to the Passover. And remember, God had already brought nine plagues against Egypt in order to get Egypt to let His people out of slavery. But the tenth, God says, I'm going to pass over Egypt, and when I do, all of the firstborn will die. Of Pharaoh's household, of all people, and even all animals. But then God told his people, you're to take a lamb, a pure lamb, without blemish, and you're to sacrifice that lamb, and you're to take the blood, and you're to place it upon the doorpost and upon the lintel. And realize that as we're doing that, we're putting it upon the doorpost and then upon the lintel. You're making the sign of the cross pointing forward to what God would provide for us in the cross. I say that only because there are some people today, even Christians I have heard teach, that in the Old Testament you were saved by the law, but in the New Testament, you are saved by grace. And I want to say to you, that is incorrect. It is unbiblical. No one was ever saved by the law. It has always been grace. Always. Think about what they were told to do. 
in the Old Testament, they were told to take a lamb. So here's Moses. Moses gets this word from God. Moses comes to the leaders of the people, and he says, you need to go tell everybody. The head of the household needs to go get a lamb, a pure lamb. You need to take it in. You need to care for it until the time is right for us to kill that lamb. And you're to take that lamb and you're to put its blood upon the doorpost and upon the lintel. So these guys hear it. They go home and they tell their family. So this guy, think, think about it. I mean, it, it, it could be, you know, R.D. comes home and he tells Miriam, uh, God has spoken and I'm to kill a lamb and I'm to take its blood and I'm to put it on the doorpost of my house and upon the lintel of the house. And Miriam looks at him and says, there's no way in the world you're going to do that, buddy. I just painted that door. <laughs> because it takes faith in the grace of God to believe that that blood would make any difference. And God says, if you're in the house, you're saved. It doesn't matter how you perform that day or that year. If you're in the house and the house is covered with blood, you're saved. A pure lamb offered. You see, God isn't like Santa Claus seeking to see whether you've been naughty or nice. God is looking to apply grace to your life this season. Everybody since the beginning of time has been saved in the same way. Through grace, by faith. God comes to Noah and says to Noah, it's going to rain and you need to build an ark. And Noah says, great, what's rain? Because it had never rained before. God explains the concept of Noah. Noah believes him. And Noah begins to build an ark while he's preaching, the Scripture says, for 120 years to his neighbors so that everyone was without excuse. But then the rains come. God seals Noah in. And the Scripture says this, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah wasn't saved because he performed well. Noah was saved because he found grace from God. It's always been Grace that has saved us. So the first thing is the lamb was provided. The second thing is the lamb was pure. The third thing is the lamb had to be perfect. Leviticus 22.21 Whoever offers a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord to fulfill his vow or a free offering will from the cattle or the sheep, it must be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no defect in it. A perfect God only accepts a perfect sacrifice. And the Lamb of God was perfect in every way. Born sinless and lived sinless. Now, I started this morning with the question, did you pass your test this morning? Did you pass your test? Every single household leader in Israel was required to go throughout all the flocks and to find that perfect Lamb, to bring it home and to nurture it and to care for it. And when he found it, in the New Testament era, he was called to take that lamb that was perfect and to transport it to the priests in Jerusalem. Now, let me ask you, while he was on the way to Jerusalem, do you think that that man who's carrying this lamb was thinking to himself, wow, I hope the priest doesn't notice that my clothes are all wrinkly today because I haven't done laundry in a while, so I had to just grab some stuff out of the laundry and put it on. I hope he won't notice. I hope... He doesn't ask me about my devotional time because I've been pretty busy lately working just trying to earn enough money to buy all those Christmas gifts for my grandkids. Uh, I hope he doesn't realize that you know life has kind of taken over for me. I hope he doesn't ask me about my church attendance because, well, my kids have sports on Sundays now, so you know my kids come first. Do you think that man was thinking any of those things? Do you think the priest cared about any of those things? All that the man cared about and all that the priest cared about was, 
was the lamb perfect? You see, and I want you to get this. The man was not examined. The lamb was examined. It had nothing to do with the man. It had everything to do with the lamb that was offered. All that the man cared about was would the priest find this lamb perfect in every way. In the same way, I can't imagine the man going to the priest and say, hey, guess what? I have memorized the book of Deuteronomy. You want me to show you? The priest is going to say, great, good, good for you. But it's irrelevant here. Because all that matters is the Lamb. Now, does that mean you shouldn't read your Bible and it's not good to memorize? Yeah, I think it is good. But it's good for us to realize that the Word of God has power to change our lives. Not because we're trying to earn some points with God. The Lamb that was offered was inspected. It was examined. And it was perfect in every way. Even the world, represented by the governor, Pontius Pilate, examined him. And Pontius Pilate said, I find no fault in him. God himself examined the lamb and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I find no fault in him. The reason you can have confidence this Christmas season, standing before God, is because it's not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon the lamb that was offered you. We love to talk about little baby Jesus in the manger and have all the scenes and all the different traditions that you have, but in the end, that little baby hung upon a cross for you. He gave his life as that pure and perfect lamb provided by God for you so that you could know the grace of God. I don't know what this year has been like for you. Maybe for you, 2021 has felt like a deja vu of 2020. Nothing has seemed to go right for you. Maybe you've been through challenges physically. Maybe it's been financially. Maybe relationally. You, you, maybe some relationships have been challenged for you where you've lost some loved ones in some way. I don't know what it's been like for you. But I know this. God says he will provide. That's his promise to us today. Maybe you can't even put words to what you've been feeling inside. All you know is there's this churning, uh, unsettledness inside of you. God alone says, I will provide the lamb that's going to make the difference for you. I'm here today to remind you that your life is not what's being examined. God's not looking to find fault with you. He's already found the lamb that was perfect and pure. That lamb was accepted And the scripture says, if you believe on that lamb, you too are accepted. And that's amazing grace. That's what God has done for us. Would you bow your heads with me? (coughs) me. Father, uh, as we close out today, it's with the realization that something inside of us is desperate to know that we are accepted in you that you have looked at our lives and you haven't said uh, you're disqualified. But every one of us has been made available to your grace, your love, and your peace. So Lord, this Christmas, Lord, we're, we're grateful for the celebrations. We're grateful that we can go into different stores and hear amazing 
Christian Christmas hymns sung loudly and clearly. Even people standing in line were singing. We're grateful for that, that this season is celebrated. But Lord, help us to never forget what this season is really about. That you loved us so much that you would provide for us as John did. He says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Lord, let that be what drives us this season. More than gifts given and gifts received. More than all the preparations for family to come for Christmas Day and lunch. More than all of that, let us revel in your grace. Lord, that's our heart cry today. The Lamb of God, provided by you, pure and perfect in every way. We gratefully receive your grace today. In the name of Christ, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a great rest of your day. And see you next Sunday for our special Christmas service from a kid's perspective. God bless you.